Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. It's Janice Malillo. And Carol Sureen wishing all you moms, your grandmas, everyone that is, you know what, even moms, even dads that are kind of filling that mom role, we're wishing you all a happy Mother's Day. How's your day going so far, Jan? It's going amazing. <laughs> well, that's so good. You know, I, I woke up and... You know, you start seeing the, the floods of, you know, what comes through across social media. And obviously, I thought of mommy first. And, uh, you know, children, grandchildren. And then I got to tell you, I felt a little sad. I felt like a little tugging going on. How about you? You know, I I did see all of those, <coughs> excuse me, all of those, um, you know, the happy Mother's Day, which is, you know, always brightens my day. Um, you know, a day designated just for moms. But as you said, too, you know, there's a lot of dads filling that roles. And um, so we, you know, honor them as well. I felt a little sad in the sense of, you know, I wish that mommy was here to see everything going on, in, even in the midst of all this craziness. So that sadness tugs away a little bit here and there. Definitely. Sure it does. I mean, I, I was thinking the same thing. I know mommy would, would be very proud of us, and she would be excited for us. She'd be cursing out the internet and social media because mm -hmm. she would have already hired a virtual assistant, which we're working on, guys. Yes. And uh, guys and gals and everyone that is listening to us, we have so many exciting things. And part of the blessings of doing this adventure is actually you all witnessing how we evolve, how two sisters and a book evolves and how it's created and our content. But keeping with the theme of Mother's Day, one of the things that actually saddened me was to think, we know there's a lot of information. We know obviously everyone has their opinions of the quarantine, whether states should open, whether they should not, whether they should attempt at a soft opening. And there is data, while I firmly, truly believe initially, the, you know, quarantine was warranted, dealing with the unknown. And when you're dealing with the unknown, it's best to heed on the, you know, hops of, you know, just be cautious and making sure that because there were so many unknowns, so many different variables that we were privy to at the time, that I do believe a stay-at-home order or a stay-at-home highly suggestion was definitely definitely warranted definitely had an impact and there was a lot of blessings that came out of that so I'm, I'm grateful for that but as we are now approaching week nine my thought process has changed based on some some new data and hearing the sad stories of in one particular and I believe it was a dad is recalling his 12-year-old 12 12-year-old 12 son's suicide in mm. Ohio and it was truly truly based on you know isolation obviously he had other issues going on but the domino effect of continuing this shutdown from a medical standpoint from a mindset standpoint from a healthy standpoint I, I feel sad because I automatically think of you know think of this think of not that I don't think we, you know, our mom would end up in a, a nursing home. I think we would have, you know, kind of 
botched that idea and, and made arrangements for her to live with us, just as your daddy's living with you. But, you know, I think of all those moms that, you know, are grandmothers, but they're also a mom and they're, they're in a nursing facility right now. Their family cannot get to them via maybe just maybe through a window, you know, from outside looking in. But I feel sad for them because I worry, I worry that those moms, this might be their last and, and, and what, how scary that must feel to them knowing it's, you know, people out celebrating Mother's Day in our own way, obviously mostly virtual, but that they don't even have that human contact. And I think the part of the quarantine part that is really weighing heavily and I think is really brought to the front forth right now because it's Mother's Day, you know, you typically typically get together with your mom or your family, you go out to dinner, you have that contact, you, you reminisce about stories past, moms are pampered or those that are mom figures. But I, I think of the women that are in nursing homes. I also think of, you know, the single moms out there that are kind of playing dual role, you know, mommy and daddy. And, you know, maybe they're at home by themselves with their children they're, and they can't have that, you know, extra help from extended family or their immediate family because of the current situation. Or, you know, the same thing with that dad that's playing that dual role and maybe he's the sole figure of that child's life and, and he's isolated. And I just think when I think of health and wellness and mindset, which that's what we're all about, this is why we created this podcast, there's something to say about human contact and joy in the what it releases, which is endorphins, which we know is a positive, positive thing that our bodies need and our, mind, our minds need for health and wellness. And I think that's the part that's really just saddens me. What, how, how do you think, Jan? What, do you, or what are you thinking about? Well, I never really thought of it in those terms. And it brought up to mind one of my friends on Facebook, uh, Lisa Casella, who um, posted a beautiful tribute to her mom. Her mom is in a nursing home and is suffering from COVID-19. And, and I think that's when the sadness part hit me. And it was a beautiful accolade. And I, I just felt her love and support for her mom and for her two daughters, uh, Marissa and Haley. And it made me sad because Lisa can't be with her mom. And I view it also from her mom's standpoint that how sad she must feel in that emptiness, you know, for her not to be able to hug her daughter. That kind of makes me sad. And I just hope that someday, soon, very soon, that she can hug her mom. And, you know, that's something that obviously we can't do because our mom passed in 97. Um, and I'm sad about that, that I can't give her a hug and say, hey, look what we're doing. But I feel, I do feel her presence. And that gives me, it gives me a sense of um, completeness. And, and I feel like, wow, you know, she, although she's not in this physical world with us, she is with us. And we've had a lot of different conversations about that. Which brings me to another point. I think we should tell some funny mom stories. Absolutely, because we, 
Actually, we could probably write a book about that. When you you think about all the the kookiness, as as you've heard in our past podcasts, our mother was really our first introduction into entrepreneurship. And, you know, she also had the personality, I would say, that was one that, you know, just didn't fit that time era. She was not a cleavage to beaver mom by any means. She loved to cook. She didn't like to clean up after her cooking. Mm-hmm. She she was a disaster, disaster in the kitchen. Like shit would be flying. There would be food on the cabinets. It would just be a mess. And you know that was part of our you know ritual at home and part of our our chores was to clean up after mommy's messes. In addition to, she hated doing laundry. We know that. We have so many laundry stories. Oh, my gosh. But she she really was a pioneer when it came to, you know, being that very assertive woman who believed in women's rights, believed in the power of the woman as far as entrepreneurship, also believed in women in politics. She was very much a forefront in her Republican Party in Cromwell, Connecticut, she was a justice of the peace. She was a toastmistress. She had many, many talents. And probably, we're going to share some funny stories, but probably one of the, probably one of the, one of the one tributes or attributes, I should say, that she, she had was giving. And she taught us very early on that giving was truly, had to be selfless. And you would be surprised. I think we're going to probably start out with a, a stronger memory that kind of does lead to a funny memory, but was impactful as we got on with later on in life. And I can remember, you know, we had six, six, my parents had six children. I being Janice and I being in the middle, we have uh, two older brothers and one older sister and one uh, younger sister. And I can remember, you know, back in, in those days, you know, you're trying to provide for families. Families were a lot larger. It was very uncommon to have a family of two children. It was usually five, six, seven, eight, nine, like all the way up, you know, back in the, the 50s. It was the baby boomer era, as many refer to. Although they refer to now as boomers, and I'm mm-hmm. not a real fan of that. So, P.S. All you people that are labeled as boomers, fight it, okay? <laughs> Just going to throw it out there. Boom, this. <laughs> I hate that term. So boomers, let's all say bite it. But anyway, she would frequently, when it would came, you know, especially at Christmas time, we were blessed with, you know, just just you know, our own little our own little area of packages that were just towered. And I can remember a few times, you know, if other family friends would come over, or you know, a neighbor would come over, or she would need a gift. There were a few times that our our mom would actually take a gift that was received, you know, that we received and regifted it, literally regifted it. I think she came up with the term regifting early on before it was a thing. And I can remember being kind of angry about that, but she was actually teaching us a very valuable lesson that we have to give of ourselves to the less fortunate, even if it means giving up our own belongings. And while in my, in my younger days, I sure you, we can all, all the Casella kids can attest to that. Sometimes it would really, it would really bother us. It would get us mad. It would, we felt hurt. But it wasn't until I became an adult that I really understood the lesson that she was teaching us. So for me, that was just a serious piece of this Mother's Day. The rest of the time, 
you can share your stories piece or we can just go right into the funnies but oh, i thought that was an important lesson to learn you're you're absolutely right and so many stories to share about the family you know holidays and all that kind of stuff but one one of the most funniest i should say are memorable stories of mommy was and and i think we mentioned this uh, a couple of days ago um you and johnny will be celebrating your <coughs> excuse me your anniversary this month and how many years yes. is it by the way it will be 38 years may 22nd two wow. days before your birthday that's right hello birthday may 24th anyways let's reel it back in janice so one of my funniest memories was when you and John got married. I was working at a law firm in downtown Hartford and I was in a meeting with all the attorneys and I was taking off a few days and so I had several projects going on, had to fill them in at what was going on and um one of the attorneys, John, said, hey, you know, just take messages where we can't be disturbed. Well, about 15 minutes later, the receptionist comes in and says, you know, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, um, but Janice's father is on the phone and there's an emergency family situation. So, of course, I'm thinking, oh, my God, did somebody get hurt? Somebody in the hospital? Like I, you know, and of course, I picked up the phone and they can hear my conversation. So it was daddy. And he said, Janice, this is daddy. Very serious. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? Are you okay? We have a problem. I said, okay, you know, what's going on? What's the problem? Your mother and your two brothers were arrested. They are at the, the jail in downtown Harford. I don't know what to do and I've got Heather here and she's crying. Now Heather, our niece was probably about 4 or 5 maybe. Yeah, I think she I think she was 5. And I'm like <laughs> I'm dying here. I'm dying and I'm like mouth. my mouth dropped and I'm like what do you mean mommy and my two brothers are in jail? And of course, you know, now I've got everybody's interest in the room and they're listening intently. Long story short, one of the attorneys, thankfully, was um, a criminal lawyer and went down to the jailhouse and bailed half of our family out of jail. Now, the funny piece to that is, you know, we're going to let our audience know why they were arrested. But I also received a call that I was about to go into the shower because it happened to be the night of our the rehearsal? rehearsal dinner. Right. So the tuxedo shop that all the groomsmen and, you know, father of the bride, uh, father-in-law of the bride, etc., were to pick up their tuxedos, was in Hartford, and it was on a fairly main road, so you could not, there really wasn't, you know, if anyone knows downtown Hartford, you know. Winshaws. Yeah, what, back in the 80s, you really didn't have, there was definitely no on-street parking. Not that there's a lot now either, but. So it is a very congested area. It was a Friday evening. I would say about four, you know, three thirty. Well, late in the afternoon, three thirty, they were picking up their tuxedos, and you know, a police officer came by and said, you know, tapped on Daddy's window, and said, "Sir, you know, you cannot, you cannot park here. 
he said, you know, um, officer, please, I, I'm not going to be here long. We're just picking up tuxedos. Our daughter's getting married tomorrow. And the, the officer was firm and said, you know, I, well, that's, that's awesome news. You, you have to keep moving. You can't park here. So our dad did drive around the block several times, but as he came back, I think it was the third time, our brothers were coming out with, you know, tuxedos in hand and, you know, loading the car up in the police officer, same police officer tapped and said, you cannot, you know, I already told you, you can't, you can't be here. And daddy was, was, daddy's pretty cool. And he responded, you know, officer, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I did keep moving. I'm, I'm just picking them up now. We're loading up the car. So there was a few words exchanged by our brothers and the police officer went to handcuff one of them and said, you know, you're being belligerent. You, I'm arresting you. And, you know, read, read him his rights and whatnot. Well, then I believe it was Francis, because I think Victor was arrested first. And Francis said, well, if you're going to arrest my brother, what are you arresting him for? And kind of, you know, it was, I would say, a little prickly would be the word, a little prickly towards the officer. So wham, the cuffs are now on Francis. Well, Lord and behold, our mother, who we already told you was a strong woman by personality, by, you know, she lit up a room. Well, she lit up the city in Hartford because she, and she was a tall woman. She was, I want to say 5'11". And we referred to her as Big Boned because she was, she was a Big Boned woman. And she sprinted apparently out of that car and really laid into the officer and you if you're taking my boys well his their mother is coming with them and they handcuffed mommy now so the phone call that i received was you know your your brothers and your mother have been arrested like i didn't even wait to hear what it was i said i'm jumping in the shower with a bottle of champagne champagne you people figure it out because i thought what could i there was nothing i personally could do and I even said, I think I said, call Auntie Alvera or call, call Jan. She might still be at the attorney's office. And I just said, if they call back, I'm in the shower with a bottle of champagne. <laughs> I can't handle this. Well, you know, that whole episode was funny. In the interim of that, when they were being arrested, Daddy had to move the car again. So by the time he came back, they were already in the paddy wagon on their way down to the jailhouse. <laughs> And the poor lady from Winshaw's was waiting for daddy. And it's like, oh, your wife and your two sons are in the paddy wagon. <laughs> I think I would have paid money to see that. I really, yeah. I, I really do. And then, and seeing daddy with his granddaughter who's five years old crying because everyone's being taken away in handcuffs. But then it got even better because they were obviously late for the rehearsal dinner. My in-laws are very conservative and in comes their daughter, future daughter-in-law's family, laughing, you know, can you believe we were arrested? And my in-laws were looking at me. I'm like, well, that's my family. And mommy still had the, the ink on her fingertips, and she's like showing yeah, her, look, I I with, they fingerprinted me. Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. She had the fingerprint. Oh, yeah. So it was really, that was one of the funnies. Another funny story I remember and by the way, excuse me for interrupting, their charges were nollied. So everyone yeah, knows. Were, yes. <laughs> we're not outlaw true, citizens. They, they were, they, that's right, they, have a, they had a clean record after that. They, that was a good thing. But years later, and I want to say 
well, actually, it was years before that happened because I was, John and I were dating at the time. That's right. Our mom was Justice of the Peace, and she saw someone, I guess he was speeding and, and went through a red light. <laughs> so mommy decides, I'm Justice of the Peace, and I'm going after him and was going to do a citizen's arrest. She ends up chasing him. And I don't know what transpired, but they, you know, there was a police officer who saw all this going down and pulls them both, pulls her over. And I don't know whether she, he does get the other guy, but I'm sure he does. And she introduces herself and said, look, at, I'm, I'm in the middle of, you know, I'm in a, I'm making a citizen's arrest. This, this gentleman, and she described the car, had the plate number, went through a red light, almost caused an accident. And he says, well, ma'am, you know, you can't you can't do that. You just, even though you're the justice of the peace. So they go back and forth and mommy being mommy. Well, it was probably about a month later that my best friend, Donna Winter, I got to make sure that she hears the story because her husband, George, Oh my gosh. Really tells this story hysterically. Like literally every time he tells it, my makeup wears off because I'm crying hysterical. He's dating Donna and we decide we're going to do a double date. So Donna says, you know, yeah, we're going to meet my best friend and, and her boyfriend, John, and blah, blah, blah. So we're going to go to their house. We're going to meet at you know, her parents' house. So they're pulling on North Road. And he said, what did you say your friend's name was? And she said, Carol Sue Casella. And he said, hmm, is that the same Carol Sue Casella that might have a relative named Barbara J. Casella? And she said, oh, yeah, that's her mom. That's like, that's like my second mom. He goes, and that's the house we're going to? He goes, okay. <laughs> well, he was the officer that ticketed mommy on that. And, you know, he ends up throwing the ticket out. So can you imagine? So I, I do. I remember opening up the door and George laying eyes on mommy and the two of them laying eyes on each other for the first time, knowing that, you know, their, their, their paths had crossed. <laughs> but the way George tells it, it's hysterical. It is. So that, that was our mother. She Here she's trying to try to make a citizen's arrest. She, can you imagine doing that today with people with guns oh and all that? Oh, my gosh, no. And she probably would still do it. That's That was her yeah. personality. Yeah. Like if she saw somebody breaking the law, and if she had to, like, kind of tweak the law to her advantage to catch the person, oh, she would do it. Oh she my would do gosh. it in a heartbeat. Do you... How about the... Oh, wait a minute. All yeah. right, one more quick one, and yeah. then you can go, because it just came to my mind. Remember the brownies? The brownies? No. Brownies, the brownies. Oh my goodness! Well, back in the day, because you know everybody partaked in grass. That's what, of course they call it weed, whatever they call it now. I had put as a, kind of like a prank. <laughs> I put some pot and some brownies, and I baked them. And Daddy comes home, and I, you know, I, I put them in a special. It was for you know for you know the girls or whatever. We we're gonna have like a day of fun. And so I had them in a, like a Tupperware container put away, but mommy found them and she started eating them <laughs> one and then another and then another. Then I can hear her like getting giggling. Daddy walks in from work. He says, what's going on here? And mommy's just sitting there just laughing over nothing, like literally nothing. Like, like he's trying to take his tie off. She starts hysterically laughing at the way he's taking his tie off. And he says, what is going on here? And so I come in because I hear her laughing. I'm like, why is she laughing so loud? And then I see the Tupperware container. I'm like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> oh we did tell gosh. her after the fact. but 
That's hysterical. Yep. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So many great memories. Um, it makes me also think of the time um, when my son, Ryan Scott, was um, arrested for disturbing the peace. And those charges, by the way, were nollied. And Ryan's father, um, Jerry, who said, um, who got very mad. And <laughs> I, when I, to this day, I laugh about it. He, you know what? He said, you're this, he doesn't get this from my side of the family. He gets it from your side. And I'm like, well, I can't argue that. No. And the good thing is we, you know, they are, they are, you know, things that you obviously statues and things that you can be arrested for, but you know, arrested doesn't mean you're convicted. So that's a good thing. Right. And when you think about them, they were very silly charges, but you know, sometimes they're, they're laws for a reason, and mommy knew how to bend them. You know, at any given moment, she could bend them. Oh. Um, do you remember the time she went to Dorothy Hamill's wedding? Yes, I do. <laughs> do you want a little share that story? No, you go right ahead. <laughs> so anyways, you know, we, we have a figure skating family our brother was a national champion gold medalist our mom as i said entrepreneur very early on developed the silver blade tours skating business which was a travel business specific specifically designed for going on uh, skating trips um, competitions and whatnot and dorothy hamill she was connected somehow to the Hartford, the figure skating club of Hartford. Cause we, I remember being in a skating show with her. Right. And you know, Fran and her were, were palsy. And of course she had that, you know, everyone wanted that Dorothy Hamill cut, mm-hmm. which I think I actually had the first Dorothy Hamill cut. If you see some of my younger pictures, God help me why our mother cut my hair that way. But anywho, she, uh, the, I think the wedding, she was marrying, um, Dean, Dino Martin jr. Yes, Dino Martin Jr. So I think they flew out to California. And she just thought she was a cat's meow. She went out there in her full-length fur coat to California because she thought she was hobnobbing with, you know, the Hollywood elites and all of that jazz. And But she had a blast out. And, and leave it to her. And she ended up dancing with um, the father-in-law, the actor. What the heck is his name? Dean Martin. Dean Martin. Like, she was just a cat's meow. My mother, our mother always had a way of kind of wiggling her way into those circumstances, and she had a blast. I think she talked about that for years. Oh, absolutely. In fact, my my first wedding was, I want to say, about two or three years later, something like that. And, uh, you know, she that's all she talked about was, uh, oh, you know inviting this one and that one and it was so funny how she came up with all these stories all the time and um oh my gosh just sharing what she was passionate about and you know so many great stories like I they're like all popping up now and you know what great memories to have and what great memories to share really she had the best parties too her and daddy threw the best parties I think that's where I get my entertainment fill and, and love to do it with the ideas. And I think her, she was so creative, but she always had theme parties. 
um, but another funny story. They were having a big party, and Mommy always loved to have, you know, vodka, you know, different brands of, you know, whatever liquor. And um, I think our friends, they were sitting around the bar. My parents had a beautiful built-in bar in their home. And they're all drinking, I think, Gimlets, vodka Gimlets. Like, who even drinks those? But they were. I knew that was the thing back then. And they're getting giddy, but they're like, I, you know, Barbara, what are you putting in these drinks? They just... We don't even taste the vodka. Not that you can really taste vodka, but gosh, we've had like five or six of these. And we don't even have a, like we don't even have a buzz on. And I remember mommy immediately looking to me and saying, Carol Sue, I just got a feeling you've got something to do with this. And I'm looking there because back then the the legal age to drink was eighteen. So of course I was eighteen. And I said, Well, your vodka may be a tad watered down. And what happened was, again, Donna, Donna and I and a few other friends had our own little party. I think it was like two days before their party. So it was just easier to grab, you know, the vodka behind the bar. And we actually filled it with water. Not, I mean, but there was still some vodka in there, but the majority of it was water. So ever since then, mommy would take a Sharpie, her and daddy, and they would buy a brand new bottle and they'd mark, mark the level to make sure because she loved to entertain. And she was, while she joked about it, I think it really teed her off, but you know, she was oh, fine gosh. afterwards. But okay. she, she loved to entertain. She Like you said, the stories. And she really had, when she met someone, it was very impressionable to her always. Like she always kept you in her thoughts. She'd send out a card. She really made it, like if you were her friend, you were a friend for life. She was very proud of her relationship building skills because building relationships, they do take effort. And she always gave it such great effort. She wrote personal letters. And I think people naturally gravitated to her because she was fun. She was lighthearted. She would say the things that people would think or women would think, but just wouldn't dare say them. Mm-hmm. And her laugh, she had that very contagious laugh. Yeah. Forever ingrained, right? Yeah. I mean, I would, I think I'd have to dig out some really old, like millimeter films of her with her talking. She's just, she was the light of, light of, light of the party, always, always. She lit it up and she was the life of it. She just, People just, you know, were attracted to her because she just truly was, she was one of a kind. They broke the mold when they made her, for sure. Oh, no doubt about that. No doubt. Um, I think, too, that she, you know, I wonder today, and you mentioned that, you know, people naturally gravitated toward mommy, which is absolutely true. And the art of keeping that contact and, you know, the art of sitting down and writing out a a note to somebody, hey, just thinking of you, whereas now we're so in this virtual world now that, you know, I know that she would have adapted well. I know she would be interested in, oh, my gosh, like, you know, the virtual background and this and that. But, you know, the art of writing she really instilled in us and and I think that's one of the reasons why I love writing and I love reading and 
I have a question for you, and I may have asked you this before. How many books do you have on your nightstand? Oh, I have, I think, four. I keep alternating them. Um, actually, do I have one right here? I started, I read chapter one, and I think I got this book from you. Hold on. I just have to go over here and reach for it. Uh, the Twelve Pillars. Oh, yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm engrossed in that one, as well as uh, The Confidence Boss by um, Monahan. I can't think of her first name off the top of my hand. Um, it's another great book that I'm reading. So I, I do, I, I'll read mindset, but I like, I like mysteries as well. Lately, I've been doing a lot more mindset ones or ones that really get you thinking because that's just been the spirit of where we've been with the creation of the two sisters in a book. And speaking about two sisters in a book, I mean, we already have different book names that we are really yeah. going to, to, to break out. So, so to give you an idea, we're, we're not just doing one book. We're going to be doing several. Like We're just not going to stop writing. But should we awaken everyone? Or are we going to wait for, mm. I think we said we were going to wait for the book cover. Yeah, I think we said we were going to wait for the book cover. And don't mind me just looking over here. I'm going to refresh my page. And who knows, it may be in there right now. But yes, we are, are very excited for our the concept of our first book. And it awakens different things that perhaps we've never thought of. Or maybe... Maybe we already knew that they were there and we're just about ready to share them. So Absolutely. And I think it's it's so exciting to not only for us to go through this process together as sisters and really learning the ins and outs of the technical piece to it, mm -hmm. the publishing piece to it. You know, a lot of times people will read a book but they don't know what goes into that, into the project, into the navigation of learning from start to finish. And I think that's one of the, one of the things we're absolutely loving that we're sharing with all of our audience is that they can see that, yeah, of course it's a labor of love, but what goes into coming up with a name, what goes into the thought process of what we're gonna write about and or chat about, what goes into, you know, how you, how you, you know, work with people to develop the cover and all this this stuff and, and, and this journey and navigating through the unknown because really, a lot of this, while you are a published and a bestseller, international bestseller author, which many people might not know, you've already published 12 books co-authored. We are now venturing in a, a new phase where we're going to do two sisters and a book are going to be a collaboration of books, but we're also going to have books of our own within two sisters. So it's going to branch out into so many directions and the fact that, you know, you are all a part of it right from the from the get-go, watching all the curves and ups and downs of how we do this, the laughs, the giggles, the shits, the giggles, and shits the not-so. Shits and we giggles. Just, shits, yeah, shits and giggles, we can say that. Yeah, we could say that. We're not censoring not? ourselves. Oh, absolutely not. There's no censorship here. There is nothing we don't want to talk about. And I'm cracking up because our conversation hasn't led to the toilet. <laughs> well, you just mentioned it, so I guess we're there. We're there. We're there. We're, it's we're it, it's all good. You know, we do have so much to share, and sharing is caring. And I think in honor of Mommy's, uh, I should say Mother's Day, 
and the fact that our actually our parents anniversary date is in two days you know she would want all those who knew her and loved her to share what's in their hearts you know be benevolent with one another and maybe it's not a monetary something that you do for someone but it's the act of writing out that card hey i'm thinking of you so you know what in honor of our mom i am going to be writing a lot of cards this week so look in the mail me too me too i i absolutely love writing even the art of writing I'm not even sure that they, some school systems even teach cursive writing anymore. I love writing. And I know a lot of people have difficulty with that. They, they revert to printing. And I am blessed that I have similar handwriting to mommy, which in, back in the day came in handy when you had to write teacher notes, school <laughs> notes, just saying. Which I did come clean at some point. Either I got caught or I had to tell her. Oh, my God. similar handwriting, so... Wow. Those are some of the those are some of the funnies that you know we share with our mom and it is a day to to celebrate moms all shapes, sizes, dads or moms, single moms, moms that are struggling, moms that don't have their moms, moms that can't be with their children or their grandchildren. So we should all we should all take homage to the moms out there. It's probably one of the hardest hardest jobs anyone will ever hold but it's also one of the greatest absolutely and on that note we are so blessed and i have a tweeting bird here so if you're if you anyone is wondering what that's all about um we are so excited here at two sisters in a book and we hope that you continue to follow us and listen in comment you know leave us a comment on our facebook page and my name is janice malillo and i'm carol Reem, and we are so blessed and honored to spend this day with you a little bit about your day of mother's day we hope that we added some joy added some laughter added some 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 mindset as well as you know a personal feeling of what mother's day means to us for me um over and out throwing it back to you jan hey thank you so much carol sue happy mother's day and And we thank you and we are two sisters and a book all right folks we'll be chatting with you soon and don't forget to check back with us thank you so much